everybody, this is Chris. Welcome to episode 169 of X-Labs, where we are getting scarily close to becoming X-relevant. I don't know if we'll have to change the name of the program when we get there, because we'll uh, no longer be... La- I guess we'll still be kind of lapsed, just not on the, uh, the current year stuff. But, fact remains, we are getting frighteningly close to being relevant. And, I mean, I, I would never call myself relevant, even in the best of times. So this is a, it's a new sensation, isn't it? Now today, we're taking a look at New Mutants, Volume 4, Number 16. Now, it's had an April 2021 cover date. The story's called One Step Behind, written by Vida... Or I, I, I'm so sorry, I don't know how to pronounce this name. Vida or Vida Ayala. Art by Rod Reese, or Rod Rice. Oh boy, I'm awful. Letters, VCs, Travis Lanham, designs Tom Muller, head of Exus Hickman, edits Beasel White Sapolsky, cover price $3.99. This one went on sale February 24 of 2021. Now we open at the Excalibur Lighthouse, where three mutant children, Liana, Monica, and Josh, are attempting to sneak into Otherworld uh, in order to probably annoy the bejesus out of me. <sighs> Actually, they're there to win a bet to, you know, uh, to fulfill a dare that they snap a picture of themselves on that weirdo Jamie Braddock's throne in Avalon. Looks like our man Richter is uh, guarding the lone Krakoan gateway from the 616 into Otherworld. However, during a pretty bodacious yawn, and yeah, I feel you, Julio, uh, the Tots sneak on by and slip through the gate. Now inside, they're faced by King Jamie the Weird, who is uh, drawn to look very Sienkiewiczian. I can say Sienkiewicz, Sienkiewiczian. There we go. Under Rod Reese's drawing apparatus. It's actually a really awesome-looking image, despite the fact that it's Otherworld, and uh, I have trouble caring about that. Now, Liana and Monica flee back through the gateway, but Josh does not. Next stop, info page. Dear Warpath's Diary. Now, if you recall, and I wouldn't blame you if you didn't, we got an info page an issue or two ago wherein Danny gave James a journal to fill out. And, well, uh, this is that. Uh, There are a lot of words on this page. Uh, if you recall, there were prompts, basically writing prompts to uh, let James be a little introspective. And we'll go through three of those here. We have prompt one, how do you view yourself? James says, with a mirror or in photos. <clears throat> prompt two, how do you view the world? With his eyes. You kidding me? He's, I mean, he can't be this dense, right? So this is either a really, really bad take on James or an extremely bad attempt at comedy, and I'm not sure which would be worse. Prompt three is, are you optimistic or pessimistic? And it's at this point he realized that he answered the first two prompts incorrectly. 
So I guess he is that dense. Um, he circles back to the first two questions. He basically views himself as a warrior at harmony with the earth. And he gives a non-answer about optimism and pessimism. He, you know, he kind of weighs the pros and cons of being either one. Next up, double-page spread of Roll Call and Cred. Our characters are Danny Moonstar, Karma, Cypher, Magic, Wolfsbane, That Weirdo Jamie Braddock, Anole, Scout, Rainboy, Cosmar, No Girl, and The Shadow King. Back to comics, and we're over to the Wild Hunt. Now, Cosmar has run back to Farouk's place to cry about Danny turning her down last issue. If you recall, she asked Danny to kill her in the Crucible so she can come back in a non-reality warped body. Now, she's comforted by No Girl, Rainboy, Anole, and Scout. Amal tells Cosmar that it was cruel of Danny to turn down her request and offers to give her a brief taste of what it is she's looking for. And so, if you remember, we've been getting these synergy uh, pages here where mutants are working together, letting their powers work in tandem. And we get that here. The Shadow King and No Girl, they do some synergist mutant tandem, and they give us consciousness swapping en masse. And the five kids all swap bodies. Scout, in Rainboy's body, watches her regular body and comments how adorable she is. The problem here is these are all mutants, young mutants, who are now suddenly in unfamiliar, powered bodies. So this all goes a bit caca pretty quickly. The bodies seem to even begin to decay. Uh, now this is all very fascinating to Farouk. He's really enjoying seeing his machinations play out. Eventually the kids are returned to their proper bodies, wherein they all take stock of themselves and you know get their footing back. Anole comments that it hurts, but it was fun. Scout, after checking on No Girl's brain jelly, rips into Amal for irresponsibly endangering all of their lives. To which Farouk is all, hey, it's all good. Remember, death ain't no thing anymore. Scout reminds him that, in her case, that might not be true. And, even if it were, dying still sucks and should probably be avoided. It's like she's listening to this show. She stomps out, while the other kids wonder why she's making such a big deal out of this, and Farouk tells him, eh, don't mind her. She's just chosen the selfish path. Info page. An article from the Crooked Caller, the premier newspaper of the Crooked Market. Well, it's basically a tabloid, but in the Crooked Market, that's good enough. We learn a bit more about some of the kingdoms here of Otherworld, including Blightspoke and uh, Blightspoke's Sheriff Whitechapel, who I think we saw... During that, uh, I don't know what they called it, like a Congress or a Senate meeting very early in uh, Ex of Swords. There's also a mention of Witchbreed, which is, of course, a boring reference to that boring Neil Gaiman 1602 story. Now, the Witchbreed that they're mentioning is currently on the move throughout Otherworld. Huh. Back to comics. Now, you remember how an issue or two ago started with some young mutants being interrogated by magic after their habitat was destroyed by bullies? Kinda? You remember that? Well, this is following up on that. Ilyana confronts the bullies who wrecked the property, and Magic informs them that, bullying aside, they broke a Krakoan law. That law being respect this sacred land. After a fairly contentious and possibly physical little to-do, we learn that Magic has managed to make these goofballs understand the error of their ways and how they're going to pay for this. And so, before we know it, the bullies are rebuilding the habitat. Cypher tells Ileana that Krakoa could just, like, grow a new habitat without a problem. But, you know, it's a matter of principle at this point. 
The bullies are happily working and being syrupy sweet to the younglings. Uh, they're giving them dolls and stuff. It's a, it's, it's a cute little scene. Just then, Monica and Liana run up to our heroes to spill the beans on what happened to Josh in Otherworld, or what they think might have happened to Josh in Otherworld. Just the fact that he didn't come back from Otherworld, I guess. Danny starts to ream them out for sneaking into Otherworld, because the last thing she wants is to spend a whole bunch of pages somewhere horrendously boring. I mean, she's actually upset because, uh, you know, mutants can suffer permanent deaths there. Uh, worth noting, the kids say that they're too scared to tell the X-Men about this. To which, unfortunately, nobody corrects them, you know, that there are, in fact, no X-Men. I mean, did Hickman just sneak that into the latter pages of X of Tens, knowing that not even his fellow writers would still be paying attention at that point? Right? And what's more, don't we have editors to kind of catch this stuff? All right. Uh, Danny checks if Magic still needs her here, which, I mean, Danny wasn't actually doing anything but standing around anyway, and so Ileana tells her it's cool to go, and so she does. Back to the sextant, Danny is packing for her trip. It looks like she's putting a bagel bush into a box which sounds far more perverted than it actually is, Karma is with her, and they talk a bit more about her strange dreams. Now, if you recall, and I feel like I'm saying if you recall an awful lot, and I apologize for that, I'm just a very repetitive fellow, but Danny was doing some dream analysis with Karma an issue or two back. Karma decides she wants to tag along on the Otherworld trip, since all of this stuff was triggered in her during that big battle with the Amenthi demons in Otherworld anyway, at the very end of X of Tens. Now, before we know it, we're at the Excalibur Lighthouse, and Richter is very apologetic for indulging in a yawn long enough for these three children to slip by. Scene shift to Arbor Magna. Now, Rain is checking in with Eyeboy and Prodigy of X-Factor regarding her Fleet Seed request to look deeper into the Tear mystery. Tear, of course, is Rain's son, who she believes to be dead and would like him to be resurrected. Now, it turns out here that Tear cannot be resurrected, because Cerebro still shows him to be alive. Alive, but different. Prodigy suggests that this might have to do with Tear being half-god. Rain is aghast and begins to think the worst. You know, that, like, Tear is all alone and scared somewhere, feeling as though she abandoned him, and uh, so she runs off. Eyeboy suggests that this chat didn't go quite the way he thought it would. He assumed she'd be a bit happier to learn that her son is alive, at least as far as Cerebro's concerned. Prodigy offers that uh, maybe there are some fates worse than death. Next stop, Avalon. Danny and Karma meet with that weirdo Jamie Braddock. And we learn that he basically let Josh hop on a dinosaur and start gallivanting through Otherworld. So Josh is probably the witch breed mentioned as being on the move in the crooked newspaper. Danny offers Jamie the bagel bush as a tribute, which, again, sounds far more perverted than I, I mean for it to. He uses his reality powers to transform it into bottles labeled Drink Me, because uh, we're going to get a few Alice in Wonderland references here, because uh, I think that's a way to evoke depth, maybe? <clears throat> maybe? I don't know. Uh, also some protein bars, sausages, gold pieces, and a big black stick of dynamite. Okay, that. In exchange, Jamie provides the ladies with a horse and points them in the direction that Josh left in. It's here that the coloration of the pages changes. It goes from like the lush kind of watercolor painted uh, pages we get to uh, more black and white with just shades of brown. It's a really, really cool effect that uh, probably should have been used a bit during X of Tens. It would have uh, at least made the thing more interesting to look at. Now they talk a little bit more about Karma's dreams here before they run into... 
Usagi Yojimbo. It's actually a little rabbit in a in like a it looks like a karate gi. Now this, of course, is our second Alice in Wonderland reference in as many pages, but uh, they follow the robed white rabbit to a castle in the distance. It turns out that it's the Holy Republic of Fae. Next we see Danny and Karma are in stocks knelt before Merlin. He charges the witch breed with trespassing in his realm and orders them into the dungeon. Back to the sextant where Rain has rushed home to be comforted by Danny, only to find that Danny ain't home. Uh, Danny did leave a note, though. We next rejoin Josh. Remember him? He's still riding his dinosaur throughout Otherworld. He happens across a modernish looking city and thinks it looks promising. Promising for what? I don't know. He decides to head in anyway. It looks like it's Sevelith, the vampire realm, where, if I'm remembering right, the horseman Death still ought to be. Uh, you know, he's feeding everyone there, at least I think he was. Then we close out the issue with Danny and Karma being walked into a Fey dungeon. That's where we leave it. Next episode, Team X in effect. Well, two-thirds of it anyway, but uh, let's talk about this issue here. Um, so, uh, it, was a, it was a good run while it lasted, huh? Uh, maybe I'm being a little too harsh. I'm definitely being a little too harsh and hyperbolic here. Maybe I'm just letting my knee-jerk otherworld bias get the better of me. But uh, in reading this issue... It seemed like they, they were trying to cram all the interesting bits that we enjoyed so much over the past few issues into as few pages as possible in order to bring us back to friggin' Otherworld. I mean, is there something about this place that I'm missing? Something so interesting that our writers can't help themselves but to indulge? I re- I'm just so, I'm so done with Otherworld. <laughs> I'm just so done with it. Let's focus on the things I did like here. We get another very strong scene with Scout. Now, as we know, she's quite worried about whether or not she would be resurrected if she were to perish. Really not much new about this, but it's nice to see that it's still bubbling away here, and uh, more people are learning about her worries and fears. We still don't know quite what Amal Farouk's goal or purpose is here, but it remains quite interesting. Uh, Well, I I guess interesting enough. It might be the most interesting I've ever found the Shadow King, because his stories aren't always, you know, among my favorites. Uh, We got magic approaching the bullies, uh, not over the fact that they were bullying, but that their destructive behavior was disrespectful to Krakoa. I feel like this was a good way to sidestep the bullying issue entirely, as we really didn't need an entire issue of, like, he said, she said, right? It's also something that just plain can't be argued. They were disrespecting their sacred land, and, you know, when you break the law, you gotta... It's better than going to the hole, right? You gotta rebuild the habitat that you destroyed. Uh, the rain and tear story was advanced, and it's interesting that Cerebro is still getting regular backups from Tear. Um, I am looking forward to seeing where this is headed, unless, of course, it's headed into Asgard, in which case, wake me when it's over. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, we'll still talk about it, no matter which way it goes, of course. Uh, the art here, absolutely ridiculous. Um, I say it every time, and you're probably tired of hearing it, but uh, Rod Reese is flippin' fantastic. Um, I mean, he even makes Otherworld look interesting. And, and emphasis on look interesting, because unfortunately he's not a miracle worker. But uh, just a fantastic artist, a wonderful, wonderful talent. Uh, I love seeing his stuff here. Now, let's flip it over here, and uh, I'll talk about some of the stuff I wasn't too keen on. And I mean, if you've been listening to this show for a little while now, it's uh, no surprise, right? It comes down to my usual bugbears about this era. Info pages and Otherworld. 
Those have been my main complaints, I feel. Uh, Neither are always bad, but both are things I'd rather see less of. This is definitely one of those situations where I feel like info pages are being used as a way to avoid having to write out a scene. I mean, we're getting Warpath characterization in info pages, and it's been that way for for a minute now, right? I, I'm just not uh, not a fan of that. It feels kind of like a cop-out. It feels like a uh, current-year attempt at, like, a workaround, right? Where we can say that we're still, you know, we're still following, you know, uh, James Proudstar here, but uh, are we? <laughs> I mean, not really. Um, all, we, all we learn is that he uh, is a very literal fellow, Um who uh, isn't uh, isn't quite as introspective, or he's becoming more introspective, I guess, which I guess is progression, but I mean, I don't know. Well, I guess I'll reserve judgment for that. Uh, let's go to Otherworld. Uh, the, the premise for revisiting Otherworld here isn't interesting. Um, I, I, I mean, they did kind of lampshade this with the the whole premise of this, uh, this Reign of X era of New Mutants here, that, you know, the kids need direction. You know, the children are, they have too much free time. They've got idle hands, and uh, they're getting into trouble. In that regard, I can understand and appreciate this, but, I mean, it's Otherworld again. (laughs) I mean, uh, and I actually did a bit of research on these three young mutants here. It turns out they were created by Vita Ayala during the Age of X-Men. Now, if we add them to those other kids who were hassling Scout an issue or two back, and it's starting to feel like one of this book's mission statements is to implement as many Ayala-created Age of X-Men characters into the main line as possible. Nothing inherently wrong with that, but... I don't know, I feel like we've already got way too many characters acting as little more than wallpaper nowadays, and do we really need more? And also, I mean, (laughs) I hate to hop here, but... How long is this other world story gonna go? And do we need two books dealing with Otherworld at the same damn time? Do we need one book dealing with it? My answer to both questions is, as you might have been able to guess, no. (laughs) No, not at all. I can only hope that the books are just vamping for time before the Hellfire Gala. I'm really not sure how the pieces are going to fall come July. All we really know is uh, what new books are coming out. Uh, For all I know... Maybe the books dealing with Otherworld, Excalibur, and now New Mutants will both be canned, or hiatused by then. Who knows? I couldn't even... I wouldn't bet a penny on either direction there. Um, Now, finally, I know the ship has definitely sailed on this, and it's likely I'm the only one that this still bugs, but I begin to twitch every time one of our characters mentions the X-Men, since we've been told definitively that there are no X-Men. I mean, it's kind of a major plot point in the Reign of X books, right? Is it too much to ask to get a little bit of quality control here? I mean, I get it. I still don't like it, but I get it when we're dealing with a book like Champions, right? That's not under the X-Men umbrella. It's in a different editorial office. But this, the same editors. There's no excuse for it. I mean, have the kid... I mean, the kid says they were scared to talk to the X-Men, right? Have the kids stay, say instead that they were scared to talk to Excalibur, since it's their lighthouse, or scared to go to the Quiet Council because, you know, they're the, the, the rulers and, and grown-ups on the island. Anything but the X-Men, because, as we know, there aren't any. Uh, and I apologize, that might just be a Chris problem, but, I mean, when we're told something is that important and it's just ignored by the rest of the line, I mean, why, why, should, we, why should we care about it? Overall, 
There is some stuff I loved here, some stuff I didn't. Uh, your otherworld mileage may, and for your sake, hopefully does vary. Uh, it was, of course, gorgeous throughout. Um, and, of course, the coloring during the otherworld bits was quite inspired. So I'd recommend grabbing this just for the art. Um, the scout scene was strong. Uh, the uh, rain and tear stuff is interesting. Just the other 50% of this book that was a uh, circle in the otherworld drain was uh, a bit much, and I'm tired of it. But uh, I think a net positive, uh, mostly on the uh, on the strength of the art and uh, the questions we have about clone resurrection. But that's all I got to say about this. We have zero mailbag items to cover today, but we do have a little bit of news. The X-Men election has been decided, and uh, rather than making us wait until the Hellfire Gala... Marvel spoiled it for us. Um, The winner is, I mean, it's Polaris. Duh. I mean, that was never (laughs) really in question. And in addition, you know, when we got this result, I was like, oh, okay, you know what? I can deal with it. You know, we found out who won, but we still don't know who our team's going to be comprised of, so we still have, you know, a mystery. We're going to be surprised during the Hellfire Gala, and about an hour later, Marvel revealed who the new X-Men team was going to be in full. And so I will share that here with you as well. Our new team consists of Cyclops, Jean Grey, Polaris, Rogue, Sunfire, Sink, and X-23 as Wolverine. Decent team. A decent team. I'm interested to see how uh, how this team comes together and works together. Uh, we don't often see Sunfire as a member of the team. Uh, Sink, uh, he's been around for almost 30 Oh God, where'd my life go? He's been around for almost 30 years now And it's nice to see him um, being bumped up here I don't know if they're going to I don't know about his time in the vault here Um, I don't know if I I guess there's like time compression there So maybe he's going to come back older and wiser And even if he doesn't, it's fine But uh, I'm interested to see what his new status quo is And we'll find out in just a few episodes What's going on in the vault uh, X-23 is Wolverine. That's fine. I mean, Logan is in... I mean, he's in every book anyway, and I'm sure he'll be in X-Men a, a fair amount as well. Uh, Rogue leaving Excalibur and leaving Gambit. Or, I mean, not leaving Gambit, but not being in the same team roster as Gambit is interesting. Polaris, I, I, you know, Rogue and Polaris, I don't know if they're going to be working double duty. Um... I don't know if I want them to be working double duty here. Uh, Polaris, I'm I'm really enjoying an X-Factor. And it would be a shame to see her leave that book. But as I mentioned earlier in this very discussion, we have enough mutants out there who are basically wallpaper anyway. So maybe this will open up a spot for another character. Maybe maybe when Siren gets the Morrigan out of her, she'll join X-Factor. Who knows? Maybe Jamie Madrox will do something that doesn't make him look like a complete joke for the first time in several years. I really can't say. Uh, Now, as far as Rogue is concerned... I mean, what is Excalibur anyway? <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, I'm happy to see her out of that book because that book is an exercise in you know square pegs into round holes at the very best. And like I said earlier, I don't even know if it's still going to be a book after um, after the Hellfire Gala. Who who even can tell? I mean, I have no reason to assume that it won't be, but uh, it is losing one of its uh, key members here. So maybe it'll uh, wind up with a new direction, or maybe it'll just uh, wind up a little bit less interesting. Who knows? But that is the news for today. 
And as always, if you have any news tidbits you'd like to send my way to discuss on the show, please feel free to do so. If you would just like to chat me up, say hello, hey, do that as well. I'm a very, very lonely fellow, as you can tell. Uh, you can reach me very easily. I'm at Twitter at Ace Comics. Uh, you can also shoot me an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. Uh, there's an Instagram that I don't quite know how to use. It's 90s X-Men. Uh, you can go to our Facebook group, 90s X-Men on Facebook. You can find blog posts and show notes over at chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. And for all your Chris and Reggie listening needs, you can hop on over to chrisandreggie.podbean.com. Though, if you're listening to this program, you probably already know that. But if you're listening to this program and you kind of dig it, or at least appreciate the effort that goes into it, please do me a solid and tell a friend or two. It would really, really mean a lot to me. But that's all I got for today. I'd like to thank you all so much for sharing a little bit of your day with me. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.